I'm Julia, and you're listening to the Spirit Nomad Podcast, the show that helps spiritual seekers step into their purpose and freedom. You can find the video version of this podcast and many more on the Spirit Nomad YouTube channel. Now, let's get into the episode. Do you want to become enlightened in this lifetime? Then you're in luck because today I'm interviewing the frequent Oprah guest and best-selling author Jonathan Robinson, who has made it a career to interview spiritual teachers and find out the truth on how to become enlightened. He's interviewed people like Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, and many more. He has practiced over 50 spiritual methods and philosophies, and in his latest book, The Enlightenment Project, he shares his findings. Now let's hop on the call and talk to Jonathan about the secrets to becoming enlightened. All right. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's a huge honor to have you here. Um, when I heard about your book, The Enlightenment Project, I just had to have you on as a guest. Uh, for me, enlightenment is my biggest priority in my life uh, because with so many other things like career, uh, getting a group, a big group of friends, like all these things are temporary. Like we won't take that with us um, after we die. So um, super excited to hear more about your book and your journey. Um, so yeah, let's dive into the questions. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. So uh, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, two things. One is, you know, I started on my, quote, enlightenment project pretty early because I was in a very dysfunctional family and kind of had a, I became suicidally depressed around age 12. So I started to, you know, read self-help books and stuff like that. Um, eventually started meditating by the time I was 13. But I've kind of made a, a career and a hobby of interviewing spiritual teachers Everybody from the late Mother Teresa to Deepak Chopra to Dalai Lama to Ram Dass to Wayne Dyer to, you know, if you've heard of them, I probably interviewed them. And um, I wanted to find out what were kind of like the greatest hits of ideas and methods that really led to enlightenment. And so having interviewed 100 teachers, I put all their best stuff in one book because I'm lazy. I wanted it all in one book. And... Uh, you know, in the 90s, I got on Oprah a lot, so my books became pretty popular. So I'm trying to popularize what I think are the easiest and best things that actually lead to deep inner peace and enlightenment. And uh, and also the best stories, you know, what it's like to hang out with the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa or all these people, which was, of course, a tremendous amount of fun. Amazing. Uh, can I just ask you, uh, what was it like meeting the Dalai Lama and Mother Teresa? Well, you know, all of these people tend to be very kind. Uh, the Dalai Lama was almost like a five-year-old child in terms of his his enthusiasm and excitement. He has a great sense of humor. Mother Teresa, uh, you know, was was, you can feel the energy of a saint, you know, somebody who is so deep into the presence of God, and uh, it brought tears to my eyes. I had a hard time doing the interview, actually. <laughs> so it was pretty amazing. Amazing. It's interesting what you said about uh, the Dalai Lama having a childlike energy, because I feel like many children, or uh, many adults, have a lot to learn from children. I think we, we all do. Um, mm. Like being in the present, the, the wonder for life. 
Yeah. And then we have our spiritual awakening or life crisis. And then we realize, oh my gosh, I've completely abandoned my inner child. Right. And then we have to, um, uh, de-learn uh, and or what, what should, can you call it uh, deprogram ourselves from or decondition yeah decondition yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know so I put in the book uh, some of the best ways to decondition yourself and some of them are really ingenious you know a lot of the best methods I discovered are methods that have only been invented in the last 10 years you know most of us don't have computers more than 10 years old but we're, a lot of people are using methods that are like 2,000 years old, and the world has changed. So I find that you know, a lot of people think gain, becoming enlightened takes you know, 100 lifetimes or, or 50 years of practice, and the research shows that that's not true. If you have the right idea and the right method, it can happen in, in a year. Um, so that was really interesting to me. I didn't expect that. And when I tried some of these methods, I'd been a spiritual seeker since I was age 12. And I'd say more happened to me in the last year than the last 50. Wow. Amazing. So that leads me into the next question. What would you say like enlightenment is like, uh, how do enlightened folks experience the world differently than other people? Well, the simplest definition is that it's a change in your identity. You know, normally we identify with our ego personality. I'm Jonathan, you're Julia. But enlightened people experience the world, either they don't have a separate sense of self or they don't think of it as important. And instead, their identity is that they are a soul or they are awareness or they are a presence of love that just got here. And that's a very different experience of life. Um, so it's really living your life without the normal ego filters that we have that create all kinds of problems in our life. Interesting. Wow. I remember in the book, you said sometimes that can actually, um, be a bad thing or you become less self-aware. Can you tell us about that? Well, there's different types of enlightenment. I describe four different types in the book and some of them, you know, you kind of lose touch with being able to function really well in the world. And you see this with some gurus, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't have that much uh, connection to the world. So, you know, in Western culture, we have to make sure that we can, on one hand, be more enlightened, find inner peace and love. On the other hand, we can remember our zip code or remember where we live, you know. So uh, sometimes people have to then spend some time getting grounded and integrating their enlightenment into daily life. And I talk about some ways of doing that, you know, how to handle money in, in a spiritual way, how to handle relationships in a highly enlightened way. And that's not well understood by a lot of people. Mm. Yes, and there's lots of limiting beliefs about money as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Um, so do you think that anyone can become enlightened? Well, almost anyone. I mean, it's like the same thing. Can anyone become rich? Well, if you understand the principles of how to be rich and you uh, do the right methods and, you know, get help, probably most people can become rich. And I think the same is true with enlightenment. You know, I was a depressed, suicidal kid. So, you know, if, if I can, I, I don't think of myself as highly enlightened, but I'm like on the lower edges of it. But even that's really great. You know, I have a really wonderful experience of life most of the time. And um, I think almost everybody can raise their consciousness enough that they can be filled with gratitude, be filled with more love and more joy. 
and uh, and that the technology quote you know methods for doing that are really now well established, and almost nobody knows those methods or knows those ideas because they're really new. You know, it's kind of like we've been we use science to to do a lot of great stuff in the world, but only in the last twenty years have we studied enlightenment to find out how it's triggered, what it's like, and uh, how you can get there uh, without a million lifetimes. Yes, and one thing I love about your book is how many exercises you have, like practical exercises, because it's like, yeah. it feels very woo-woo, like enlightenment. Some people might be skeptical. It's like, what do we do? Like sit in a cave and meditate for 20 years? Like, no, there's like practical uh, exercise you can do. Yeah, you know, luckily I'm a very lazy person. So any method that takes longer than about five minutes, I usually don't do. So I especially like yeah. the methods that take five minutes and less. And some of my favorite methods take like five seconds. Let me, let me give you a story like one of them. Um, you know, I realized that a lot of enlightened teachers were talking about the importance of gratitude. So I got very interested in gratitude, but you know, I'm too lazy to do a gratitude journal or all the things you're supposed to do. So a friend of mine came back from India and he looked like he was totally lit up. And I said, what, what happened in India? And he said, my guru gave me this magical mantra for feeling gratitude like all the time. And I said, really? Well, what's that mantra? And he said, well, you have to go to India and get it directly from the guru. So I always want the best method. So I go to India. Have you ever been to India? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but, you know, hard to get there. Once you're there, you got to take a rickshaw in, in boiling heat and... and uh, oh, and the traffic, gosh. <laughs> so, you know, and then I had to wait in line for, I think, seven hours to talk to the guru. I finally get a chance to talk to him. And I say, I'd like your mantra for feeling overwhelming gratitude. And he, in an Indian accent, he says, yes, my mantra is the most powerful on earth. He leans in to whisper it in my ear and he says, whenever possible, repeat these words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. Well, I look at him and I go, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles ago, thank you, that's it? And he goes, no, that's it is the mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. So I look at him and I go, well, thanks for nothing. And he looks at me, he said, that's not the mantra. You must say it from your heart. So when you eat good food, say thank you to God or the universe. Or when you see your child, say thank you. Or your pet, thank you. Or for clean water, thank you. And soon you'll be filled with gratitude. And it's true that if you spend five seconds in your heart and thank the universe for all the gifts we're given. I mean, people are listening to this useful information uh, podcast for free. I mean, that's pretty great. Thank you for that. So, you know, when when you do simple things like that over and over again, you can tap into a whole new way of experiencing the world rather than what our minds normally do, which is a constant complaining. That's beautiful. Oh, such a funny story. <laughs> Um, so next question, uh, what is one piece of advice that you think would be helpful to any spiritual seeker who wants to achieve enlightenment? Well, there's a lot in the Enlightenment Project book, um, but one I would say is uh, have what I call an experimental attitude. You know, try different things for different lengths of time and see what works for you. Don't take anybody's dogma for granted, you know, really through your lived experience, 
try this meditation, try that meditation, try this book, try this person for a short period of time to see if it seems to resonate with you. And by doing that, you'll find the things that actually work for you. Because what works for you might be very different than what works for your friend, your family, or somebody else. So that's helpful. The other thing is, um, you know, I, I, do, I do a podcast called Awareness Explorers, and I interview spiritual leaders. And I always ask them, you know, for their best 10-minute guided meditation or their best method that can be done in under two minutes. And I put uh, five of them, I, the, like the greatest hits of the greatest teachers, you know. And so people can get that for free on my website, which is theenlightenmentproject.net. And if they put in their email address, I send them an, a, a free ebook and an audio meditation and the first chapter of the book for free. So I think having, you know, we're on a computer now, that's the best technology. You know, we're not sending smoke signals anymore. We're not even phoning each other. So you always want the best technology. And these five methods that I gathered from various teachers, I think can really help people have an experience of awakening immediately. You know, it doesn't take years they listen to the 10-minute audio and they should have an awakening, at least a glimpse, right away. Uh, so, you know, hopefully people will get that for free and, and they'll then be uh, inspired to pursue it. Awesome. I'll make sure to put in a link down so they can check it out. Uh, I like what you said about uh, that you were asking them for two-minute exercises because yeah. I just finished another amazing book called Atomic Habits. You might have heard about it. Uh -huh. All right, yeah, I know that book. Bestseller. And it says to keep your habits under two minutes. And then if you can do them longer, great. But that overcomes the mental hurdle of like, oh, I'll just skip today. So if you can have a two-minute enlightenment practice every day, eventually, like, you'll make great progress. It's like exponential, the progress you'll make. Yeah, and it's easy to do. And if you get a result right away, it inspires you to keep on doing it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so what are some common myths about enlightenment or things that would surprise people uh, who are just learning about enlightenment? Yeah, um, actually, I have a chapter called uh, 25 Myths About Enlightenment. And um, one of the common myths is that, uh, first of all, that it's extremely hard to become enlightened and very few people do. Actually, it's not that hard and a, and a fair amount of people in the last five years are getting there because of the better methods and ideas. Um, so that's one myth. Another myth is that enlightened people live in continuous bliss and have no problems. Uh, that's not true. Uh, enlightened people generally feel very deep sense of peace, but you know they still have to deal with money issues and relationship issues and health issues. It doesn't turn you into a god. It just gets you in touch with the the peace, the kingdom of heaven within, whatever you want to call it. So those are very common. Uh, also, I think people think that enlightened people um, uh, have are always morally perfect. And that doesn't seem to be the case either. A lot of gurus have had sex and money scandals. So you can still make mistakes even though you're in touch with deep peace. Uh, so I think those are three of the most common ones. But going through that list of 25 myths, 
helps you get better sense of one, how you can become more awake, and two, that recognize when you have actually achieved that because some enlightened people thought, well, I, I can't walk through a wall, so I must not be enlightened. Right. You know. So true. Yeah, we think you that you're like levitating, teleporting. Yeah, right. like, no, not true. Or at least not true for most. I have met some gurus that have interesting magical powers. Oh, yeah. um, and But even that can be a problem because once you can... Uh, manipulate things in the world or manifest things out of thin air. Sai Baba could do that. I've had gurus I know that could read minds, do all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, that showed me that there's a lot of possibility. But a lot of times with those powers comes great temptation as well. Yeah, I think in the uh, Yogananda book, Autobiography of a Yogi, um, he met someone who could turn... uh, What was it? He could turn... Anything from thin air, just turn it into material, like yeah. food, gold, anything. And yeah, yeah that's very tempting. <laughs> Before we go, can you share in another exercise that people can yeah. apply right away? I'll, I'll do two very brief methods. Uh, they each take about a minute. Um, imagine, and you can do this with eyes open or closed, but imagine that you could have a big eraser and you could erase your legs from the material world. Just imagine that. And then you erase your your pelvic area, your stomach area, your chest area, your shoulders. It's all erased. Now you're just a head. Now imagine erasing your head. If you erased your head, would you still exist? Well, your awareness would still be here because you try and turn off your awareness. See if you can do that. You can't. So awareness is always in the background. And as you listen to my voice, notice that you have sensations, you have hearing. There's something that hears, there's something that feels, there's something that maybe sees stuff. And there's something that listens to the sound of someone talking to you in your head. Those aren't your thoughts so much. Those are just thoughts going through an open field of awareness. And you are that open field of awareness. And as you tap into just being that witness, you start to feel more peaceful because awareness does not want anything. It's just there all the time in the background. As you deepen into that awareness, you feel more peace, more joy, and more love. Mm, beautiful. Now, of course, there's you know twenty different methods in the book, if not more, and some of them help you go down that rabbit hole until you feel like you are one with the entire universe, which is, of course, a great experience. Uh, did you say there was another exercise as well, or well, that I kind of combined too? But I, you I know, one of my favorite exercises that really puts me in my heart is um, is I have two dogs and I spend a bunch of time telling them how much I love them and just uh, petting them. And, you know, it's almost like uh, doing darshan with a guru that you you really have to find out what opens your heart. And when you, you know, I used to just say, oh, good dog, and then go on. But I realized that my dogs or a child or even a favorite tree or something can be very useful for opening your heart. And the more you can open your heart, the closer you are to uh, being who you probably want to be. 
Oh, that's beautiful. I love pets. Like they're just so full of unconditional love and there's no agenda yeah. there. So oh, that's a great idea for anybody who has pets. And my dogs like it too. They, <laughs> they, they like to be worshipped. Oh, this was so insightful. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Is there anything, any last pieces of advice you want to give to the listeners? Well, you know, keep trying different stuff. Uh, find a book, a person, a course, a meditation that inspires you and just be consistent with it. And uh, of course, you know, you'll have the link to the site where people can get a bunch of stuff for free. But um, I, I think that if people realize that it's closer than they might think because awareness is always there. And as they learn to let go of ego obstacles, that peace is very possible and uh, very close. And when you find that peace, you're much better able to serve the world and serve the people you care about. Oh, yes. I love it. So true. <laughs> so definitely check out the link below um to learn how to start your enlightenment project um thank you so much for taking the time uh to do this interview Jonathan. my pleasure Jenna. all right take care everyone bye let's continue the discussion in my telegram group the spirit nomad podcast tribe link in the description if you'd like to support the podcast leave a review and share it with a friend thanks for listening and have a beautiful day